John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to the book of Acts. Today our D6 theme is the good news, and I want to preach a little bit and speak a little bit on that subject. Actually, also, if you have your bulletin this morning, you open it up and you see our D6 family uh, memory verse of the week. I want to encourage you as individuals and as families, memorize these verses. We, we introduce one verse a week for you to memorize. I hope and pray you're doing that. It's in the bulletin every single week. It's also on our, um, our Victory Connection e-newsletter that goes out, uh, our memory verses there as well. So be sure you're doing that together. You know, we need to, we need to exercise some spiritual disciplines in our life. Uh, if we're going to grow in our faith and grow in our, our walk with the Lord. So I want to encourage you uh, to do that. Our D6 theme this week is on the good news. And we're studying out of Acts chapter number 13. Our goal for the week is this, that we would live in the freedom that Christ provides. And that's the whole theme and the goal for the week. And as you go through your devotions, uh, we're going to be unpacking that together all week long as a church family as you work through these. So be sure that, that you're doing that. So Acts chapter number 13. This is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Uh, being a home missionary through our denomination, a church planner, uh, this, this passage of Scripture has, has spoken to my heart many times over the years. Acts chapter 13, I want to share with you, before I really get into my message, I have so many different directions uh, that I really want to go in this passage of Scripture, but if you're there in Acts chapter 13, verse 1, in the church that was at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius, the Cyrenian, and Manian, a close friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now I want you to notice these five individuals that we write about, is being written about here in Acts chapter 13. And I want you to look what they were doing in verse number 2. It says, As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit then said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to. And then after they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. I wrote in the margin of, of my Bible here a few observations just really out of that, those first three verses I want you to see. And they're not even on the slides. I just want to share this with you by way of introduction. Will you allow me to say that? Um, because my introduction sometimes be 30 minutes in my message five and then my conclusion. So I don't know what this is, but I'm going to share it with you, okay? But in, in Acts chapter 13, in verses 1 and 3, I think there's three observations. First of all, I want you to look at and see, see who called these men. These men were called by who? By the Holy Spirit of God. And sometimes people struggle with that. And, and sometimes people are, are all caught up kind of in the approval of man. I want you to notice that man did not come and pick out these individuals and say, Hey, I want you to go. The Holy Spirit led them. The Holy Spirit called them. Just an observation that I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is the condition of the church. What was the condition of the church? The condition of the church is that they were submissive to the Holy Spirit. They were submissive to God. 
And they yielded to the Holy Spirit. And then, thirdly, we see what's the condition of these men. They too were submissive. Okay? God said, I want you to go. And the Bible didn't, doesn't tell us that they made excuses. They said, oh God, you just don't understand it's not at the right time in my career. I don't know that I can afford it. I don't know that my family's ready. I really don't. There's so many different circumstances. The Holy Spirit called out Barnabas and Saul for the mission that God had laid on their heart and that He had given them, and they immediately left. They yielded to the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life, to the calling of God on their life. Guys, you know what we oftentimes need to learn how to do maybe a little bit better? We need to learn how to just let go and just kind of give up control and, and just let God have free reign of our life. I promise you, He knows what's best. Hello? And Jeremiah 29, 11 tells us that He has a plan for us. He knows what's best for us. So just let Him lead. Just be obedient. Sometimes people come to me and they say, Pastor, I really don't, I really don't know what God is calling me to do. I'm really struggling with my area of ministry and what it is that I'm really supposed to be doing. You know what my counsel is? Just get in the church and get involved. I mean, look what the Bible says. I mean, we know that, that Saul and became the Apostle Paul and had this great church planning endeavor of a life. The greatest church planner ever walked the face of the earth was the Apostle Paul outside of Jesus and the gospel that he preached. But you have Paul. But what led Paul into these three missionary journeys that he did? What led Paul into planning these churches? What led Paul in to being this great man of God that he became? I want you to look, and don't let this slip by. Look, if you will, in verse number 2. It says, as they were ministering. The Bible says, as they were ministering. The word ministering just simply means, as they were serving. You see, they got connected in the local church that had been established already, the new movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they just got in there and just found something to do. They were just serving. They were praying. They were fasting. They were working. They just served. Hello? Sometimes we think, boy, I just really can't do anything unless it's this large ministry and I'm up in front of everybody and everybody's, and I'm leading and I have hundreds of people following me. You, you know what ministry is? Ministry is doing what Sandy Collins did this morning. None of you saw this. She was in here this morning. You know what she did? She got a rag and a squirt bottle, and she wiped off every table in this Connection Cafe. And, and then, you know what I found her doing? I found her then get a vacuum cleaner and really just start vacuuming around the, around the church house and getting it ready for you guys to come in. See, that's just finding something to do. Guys, there is plenty of work and ministry to do at the church. You want something to do? Do what Tom Cyber does. Now, Tom's not here today. He and Sharon have gone down to North Carolina to visit their daughter that's got a messed up elbow, and, and, and they love to get to North Carolina. And by the way, who doesn't? What a great state that is. Hello? And uh, so they've gone there to visit their daughter. And, but you know what Tom did? Tom spent hours in here this week, and he came in every one of those windows in that foyer. He washed them front, back, inside, out. He went into those toilets and went into those bathrooms on his hands and his knees and he scrubbed those bathrooms and he scrubbed those sinks and he scrubbed those countertops. And I said, Tom, why are you doing this? He said, this is my church. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. I just want to serve. Guys, you realize that's what Paul was doing. That's what Barnabas was doing. 
They were in there. They were working. They were serving. You want to find something to do? Look for the trash can that's full and be the one that says, hey, I think I'll take the trash out. You want to find something to do? Look around and see what needs to be done and fly in there and do it. If you're faithful in the little things, then God will make you ruler over many, according to what the Scripture says. This week, you know that Donetta's been out of the office. And man, when she's out of the office, how I miss her. You know, some of that falls on me. And this week I told her, I said, and on Tuesday we were in the office working and they left on Tuesday. And, and uh, she, said, she said, the bullet is ready. Do you want me to go ahead and print it right now and get it folded and everything? I said, no, I'm going to tweak it a little bit and I want to work on it some. And there may be something that comes up. I'll just take care of doing that. Well, then life got busy for me. And then I couldn't get them printed off. And then guess what? I printed them off this morning. I'm like, oh, man, I've got to print the bulletin. That's the first time I've done that in years. I can't tell you the last time I printed bulletins. And so I got to get that done. So I got up at 6 a.m. and I left the house about 6.30 and I flew over here to the church and I've been in here working and getting things ready and, and I printed off the bulletins and I got doing other things. But then I looked and I came through the office and the bulletins were sitting there on the desk and they hadn't been folded. And I'm like, man, I got to fold these things. And so I just started folding. And Sandy come in she said, Pastor, what are you doing folding the bulletins? I said, they just need to be folded. She said, let me do that. You find something else. I said, no, you keep doing what you're doing. But the point is, we've got to be willing to do the little things. Hello? Whatever they are. This week, Eldon, and I had full intentions of doing it. I could not get around to it. Eldon and Tom even went out there. And the trash that we set out in front of the dumpster after the big cookout last week, our friendly raccoon got in that. And he tore that thing to shreds. There was paper all over that hillside. And you know who spent hours out there? Picking up trash, Eldon and Tom. My point is this, guys. There's something for all of us to do. The Bible says, I don't want you to miss it, as they were ministering. They were praying. They were fasting. They were involved. Guys, find something to do and get involved. All this is by way of introduction, and I apologize. There's some great verses of Scripture down through here. As they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, and the Lord called them and set them apart. I want you to look. I'm going to just glean through here real quickly. <laughs> Once again, you're going to laugh at me when I say this by way of introduction. Look in, look in verse number 5. It says, here's what they did when they, they were called out. It said, they proclaimed God's message in the Jewish synagogues. They took off and they started just proclaiming the good news. The, God's message, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love, if you will, let's glean a little further. Look down in verse number 15. It says, And after reading the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them saying, Brothers, get this, if you have any message of encouragement for the people, you can speak. Now, I don't know about you, but I took my Bible and I highlighted that and I've underlined that. And I'm thinking, did they have a message? Hello, they had a message. And you know what it was? It was a message of encouragement. You know, I really try to go the extra mile to be an encouraging speaker and pastor. I don't, want, I don't want you to come in here every single week and me just beat you up and beat you up and beat you up and you leave here feeling worse than when you came in. I mean, the world does a pretty good job of doing that. I want to encourage you. And you know what? God help us. If we have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the Word of God, and we cannot deliver that in an encouraging way. Hello? You see, a long time ago, I left the scolding to the Holy Spirit. I remember when I first started off in pastor, and I felt like I needed to tell everybody what they were doing wrong and tell them how to fix it. 
And I kind of left it there. And then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit kind of convicted me and said, Hey, that's my job. I'll do the convicting. You do the preaching. And it kind of changed the whole way, my whole style. Now, there are some hard messages that you have to preach from time to time when you get into the Word of God. But we still should be able to deliver them in an encouraging manner. Did Paul and Barnabas have some encouraging words to share? Sure they did. Hey, Paul and Barnabas, you got something? Do you have a message of encouragement? Yeah, yeah, they had one, and it's called the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guys, whenever we get an opportunity to present the gospel, and whenever we get an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, I hope and pray that we can share it in a way that's inviting, that's encouraging. You see, you can have the truth, but if the truth is not presented in a way that it's received, it's of no avail. Right? Oh, I've got a great illustration for that, but it's going to take me back to my Bill Cosby days. And some of you don't even know who Bill Cosby is. You're so young in here. But, uh, but man, what a great, what a great. You see, well, I don't have time to get into that. I'll email you that illustration, okay? But we must be careful in how we present the truth. We must present the gospel in an encouraging manner. Look, if you will, back up, if you will. Let's go on down into verse number 25 or so. Here Paul is speaking and he's reminding them about John the Baptist and how John came out preaching and he said, and, and these are the words that John said in verse number 25, Who do you think I am? I'm not the one, but look, someone is coming after me and I'm not worthy to untie the sandals of his feet. And here John is pointing everyone's attention to the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to look. Now realize, when we get down to verse 13 and through the rest of the chapter, here's Paul's first message. I mean, after God had called him and Barnabas out and they've gone off to, on this endeavor, here's his first message that he preached. Now, there's a lot of things that you can unpack in this message, but I want you to see real quickly, I want you to see what the subject matter of his message really was. Look, if you will, in verse number 26, I guess, 26 and following. I'm going to jump on down to verse number 28. I want you to see, first of all, the first part of his message was the gospel. Simply the good news. And what is the gospel? It's the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to see where Paul preached that. Look, if you will, in verse number... Let's just start in verse number 27. For the residents of Jerusalem and the rulers, since they did not recognize Him or the voices of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, and they have fulfilled the words of condemning Him, though they found no grounds for the... Get this. The death penalty, they asked Pilate to have Him killed. In other words... Paul now is preaching about how they crucified the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that they should have known this was and is the Son of God. You guys killed Him. Okay? He's talking about the death. He had Him put to death. Then in verse number 29, And when they had fulfilled all that had been written about Him, get this, they, they took Him down from the tree, and what? And they put Him in a tomb. You know what that's talking about? It's talking about the burial. Guys, any time you present the gospel of Jesus Christ, you must be talking about the death of our Lord and the burial of our Lord. But it doesn't stop there. Point number three is found in verse 30. And God raised him from the dead, and he appeared for many days to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. So here you see... Point number one for the Apostle Paul as he's going out and preaching was just simply preaching the gospel. Listen, guys, we don't have anything to preach if we get away from preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello? Now, I realize there's a lot of other ways and, and, and there's a lot of other things that we can do to help people in their faith. 
Some folks struggle with their, their, their tithe and really stepping out on faith and giving their tithe and, and they struggle with their finances and, and we can get into the Word of God and we can pull out some financial principles for those individuals and we can lay them. But listen, that starts after the Gospel. In Counseling 101, and I do a tremendous amount of counseling, and whenever I do the counseling, the first place I'm going to visit is the cross. Hello? I mean, you've got to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to trust in Him. You've got to know that He loves you. You've got to know that He died. You've got to know that He was buried. You've got to know that He rose again. And then you enter into a relationship with Him. That's step number one. And now you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You have a Lord who said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You have, a, you have the Word of God that says all of God's promises are yea in Christ Jesus. I mean, you have all of these things. With Him, you have everything. Without Him, you have nothing. Hello? So it's got to start with the gospel. And what an encouraging word and message that that Paul had. He had the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news. The death and burial and the resurrection of our Lord. But it doesn't stop there. He went further than that. Look, if you will, down in verse number 36. And boy, I love this verse. In verse number 36, he's going that through history and he's reminding them of all of this. And he says in verse 36, For David, after serving his own generation in God's plan, fell asleep and was buried with the fathers and he decayed. What a tremendous testimony for David. You know what it says about David? He served his generation. And he lived out God's plan for his life. You know what I want to be said of me? That I served my generation. And I lived out God's plan for my life. Man, that's what gets me out of bed every single morning. Is the desire that I have to live for my God and to live out the plan and the calling that He has on my life every single day. That's what keeps me motivated. I'm listen, we've gone through some deep, dark valleys here at Victory Church, but I still get out of bed every morning and I still hit the study in the office and I still pray and I still prepare messages and I still lead this church. Why? Because I want to be faithful to the calling that God has on my life as David was. He served his generation. And God's you know, you look at our ministry and it's a little bit more contemporary. And why is that? Because I think it targets our generation. Hello? It really zeroes in on my generation and even younger. And that's what God's called me to minister to. Listen, I've argued with God. I've said, God, I would love to have been born in the 1800s. I read, I read the messages and watch the videos of, 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 of Evangelist Sheffy and how he rode around on a, on a horse from town to town and he would just pull up on a stump and, and he had his Bible in his saddlebag and, and he would just ride from town to town as a circuit riding preacher and he would get up on a stump and all the townspeople would come together and he would just preach. And I would say, God, I love horses, I love the outdoors, I love the country. And I said, God... Why did I have to be born in 1964 and minister into the year 2012? I would have loved to have been your man in the 1800s. I would have loved to have ridden a horse and, and pulled up in a town and jump up on the town square and declare what thus saith the Lord and pack my bags and ride off in the sunset to the next town and do the same thing again. But you know what? God had a man for that generation. Hello? He had many men for that generation. You go back and you read the works of John and Charles Wesley. He had some good men in that generation. And I can't spend the rest of my days trying to bring the church back to those days. 
I've visited many churches and sometimes I go in them and I'll hear the message of how we've got to get back to the good old days. We've got to move things back. Listen, we've got to serve this generation. Hello? Man, there's so much I could preach to you out of Acts chapter 13. And I really hadn't even got to my message. I'm still in my introduction. Will you give me some grace? Hello? <laughs> he served his generation. But I want you to look at verse 38 and verse 39. Here's point two and point three of his sermon. And it should be point two and three of mine. Hello? Verse 38. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you and everyone who believes in him. You know what he's saying right there? This is the second major theme in his message. Number one is the gospel. Number two is forgiveness. There's forgiveness for you. If you'll just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness for you. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing a pretty encouraging message come out of the Apostle Paul right here. Are you not? He's talking about the death and the bearer, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about how faithful that David was, how he served his generation, and what he's saying now, there is forgiveness for you even now. But he doesn't end it even there. It gets better and better. Because look what he says in verse 39. And everyone who believes in Him is what? Justified from everything that could not be justified through the law of Moses. You know what, you know what Paul is saying? He's saying, if you'll simply just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's forgiveness there for you. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, forgives us of all sin. But not only are you forgiven, you are justified. Well, what is the doctrine of justification? And boy, I don't have a whole lot of time to even unpack this, so let me give it to you in a nutshell. I'm going to do like Billy Sunday said. He said, get the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can get a hold of them. I'm going to put these chocolate chip warm cookies on the bottom shelf. I want you to get it right now. Justification means just as if you have never sinned. Wow. Is that not encouraging or what? To think that not only am I forgiven, but I'm justified. You see, 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I want you to get this word picture in your mind, and this may take us back a few days as well, but you remember when you were in school and they had the big chalkboard up there? And you remember how the teacher would go up with a chalkboard and she would ride on the chalk or with the chalk on the chalkboard and how the residue would fall and, and then she would take the eraser and she would erase the, what she just had written. But sometime, some, sometimes you could even see, once it was erased, you could still see what was written in the background with the residue that was there. And for those of us that were naughty, we had to stay after class. You know what we had to do? You've been there with me, haven't you? Yeah, you've been there. You know what we had to do? We had to get a wet, damp cloth. We had to wet it and wipe it down. And then we got the chalkboard and we wiped down the residue that had been left after the eraser had done its work. Then the wet rag came and man, it was black as it could be and not a mark on it. You know what? That's what God does for you. Amen? Through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly what He does for you. 
He offers you forgiveness through His Son. And He says, I'm not just going to forgive you, but I am going to make you so that you are completely justified. When I look at you, I see the blood of my Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The the doctrine of imputation comes to place where God has imputed upon you as a believer the righteousness of His Son, Jesus. So when He sees you, He doesn't see you in your sins. He sees His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees you as if you have never sinned. I don't know about you. They asked Paul if he had an encouraging message. Pretty encouraging message, is it not? Hello? The good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness and justification. Oh, there's more. I want you to go to verse number 42 and following. By the way, this introduction is just turning into my message. I'm going to save the rest of this maybe for next week. So allow me to continue with my introduction. In verse number 42... It says, as they were leaving, get this, the people begged that these matters would be presented to them the following Sabbath. You know what these people were doing? They were saying, Paul, Barnabas, don't leave us. Please don't leave us. I mean, that message that you just delivered is the most encouraging word that I've ever heard. I beg of you, come back next week and preach to us again. I've never really had anybody beg me to preach again. (laughs) I guess there's a reason for that, huh? I've had folks come back a second time, which makes me feel a little bit good. I've I've been invited back a second time at one or two places after I preached there the first time. You know, if you never get invited back the first time, they didn't really like you. I mean, they said, God bless you, brother. We love you. And they hugged you. And as you went out the door, you never hear from them again. There's your sign, right? I mean, these folks, they begged. They wanted them to come back and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ once again. They begged them. That just stuck out with me. In verse 43, after the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout um, proselytes, they followed Paul and Barnabas. They became disciples now of the Lord Jesus, and they followed these men that were declaring this encouraging message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus And then in verse 44, get this one. I love this. I've highlighted this in my Bible. The following Sabbath, get this, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. Whew. You see, see, folks, I still believe that preaching the Word of God can fill a church. Uh, Amen. I mean, I love good singing as much as anybody, and I love a good band as much as anybody. And I love good skits and good drama and good videos as much as anybody. But none of that can ever replace the preaching of the Word of God. Hello? The Bible says here, the following Sabbath, almost the entire town assembled together to hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, I believe the gospel is such great news that it will still draw a crowd today. Hello? It's the greatest news in all the world. That God loved us so much that He gave His only begotten Son. That if we just simply believe in Him, that we would not perish, that we have eternal love, we're completely forgiven, we're justified, we have a partner, we have, we have a paraclete, we have the Holy Spirit that will go alongside of us all through life. I mean, listen, we're not in this thing by ourselves. Hello? And God doesn't want you living life by yourself. He wants to go with you. He wants to be involved in your life. 
I mean, if you think about it, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto, right? God wants you to have somebody. And who is that somebody that He wants you to have? It's Him. He wants to have a relationship with you. Oh, I, let, me, let me finish up my introduction. Look on down in verse number 50. The latter part of verse number 50. It says, They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from the district. There's going to be some folks that love you, and there's going to be some folks that just do not like it. I don't care how you package it, they just don't like it. And there was persecution that came against Paul, and I was going to speak a little bit more to that, but I'm going to let that go maybe till next week. In verse 51, I'm sorry, verse 52, or let's, let's read verse 51. It says, But they shook the dust off their feet against them, and they went to Iconium. In verse 52, I love this. By the way, this is the part in my message where I'm supposed to say this is my text verse. And I'm going to unpack this one a little bit in my message today. But I'm not going to do it, okay? I'll put you at ease right now. I'll save it till next week. But look in verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Wow. Guys, you know what? Serving Jesus should be the most joyful thing that we do. I mean, this life can be stressful. Jobs, careers relationships, finances, all of the things out there that we all have to deal with on a daily basis can be very stressful. But the Bible says that these disciples, these that followed after the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and had received the word, and it says they were filled with joy. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. I told Brother Eldon this morning, I just love being in our church. We're out of this setup mode. We're setting up equipment, tearing down equipment, troubleshooting a cable that's gone bad and finding out a monitor doesn't work and keyboards that are gone bad. I mean, just you would not believe all the stuff we've had to go through. But I've just loved coming in here this morning and just talking with folks and hugging a few necks and, hey, how you doing this week? How's things been going? Man, is that not good? Serving the Lord should be the most joyful thing that we ever do in life. And the Bible says they were filled with joy. Let me tell you why they were filled with joy. Because, first of all, they received the message that Paul delivered, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they followed. They became disciples. They started following. If you're here this morning, and I'm going to ask the band if they'll come get in place, and I'm going to be done. Sorry, Justin. I didn't get anywhere. I didn't even get to my message today. So I apologize for that. But the good thing about it is it's the truth, and it is saved to next week because truth is always relevant today or tomorrow. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change. So I'll share that with you next week. But here's, here's what I want to share with you this morning. If you're here today and you think, man, I've just, I've just lost my joy. I've just lost my joy. And I'm talking to a Christ follower right now. I'm talking about those individuals. You've accepted Christ. And, man, you've been in this thing. And, but just life just stinks right now for you. It seems like you've completely lost your joy. I want to encourage you to get recommitted and renewed in your spirit, reconnected, if you will, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and ask Him to restore unto you the joy of His salvation. It's there for you. And all you've got to simply do is ask God for it. I wonder if every head is bowed and every eye is closed. First of all, I want to address the Christian that's here this morning. If life has just gotten difficult and hard for you and somehow you, you feel like you've just completely lost your joy. I want you to do something right now. I'm not even going to ask you to get up out of your seat. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. 
I'm going to ask you right now, just simply bow your head. Dismiss everything else in your mind. Focus on your relationship with Christ. And start with this. Pray, just pray this little prayer after me. I'm going to pray it for you. You pray it sincerely in your heart. And as I pray, you just say, God, that's me. Yes, God, that's me. Or you may want to repeat the words, but just pray something like this. God, I'm one of your children. I've accepted you as my Lord and my Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for the sins of the entire world. You were buried, you rose again. But God, right now in my own life, I've just totally, completely lost my joy. God, I want that back. I want to enjoy serving you again. I want to enjoy coming to church. God, I confess to you now that sometimes I come out of duty. God, I want to come out of joy. Search my heart right now, dear God. Finger around in my spirit. Convict me, God, of areas in my life that you're not pleased with. God, I ask you, as you reveal those areas, right now, God, I ask for forgiveness. And I plead grace and mercy. Forgive me, God. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. This should be a joyful day. Today, right now, God, I give my life back to you there's areas of my life that I've taken control over. And right now, God, I just give those back to you. I just want to follow you. Lead me. Guide me. Direct me. Restore me. The joy of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for hearing and answering prayers this morning. While heads are still bowed and eyes are still closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, right now, I want to give you a chance to do just that. I'm not even going to ask you to get up. I'm not going to ask you to walk forward. Just right there where you're sitting. Will you pray a prayer like this? Say, God, today, I want to experience the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you lived a sinless life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you came out of the tomb victorious after three days. And I believe you've ascended back to the Father. Right now, I just pray that you would forgive me of my sins. God, I repent of my sins. I'm turning from my old way of living. I want to live and walk in your path. I want to have a relationship with you right now. Right now, God, in the stillness of this moment, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I ask for forgiveness. I accept you as my Savior. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I still have troubles in my life, but now, God, I have you. Right now, I give you my heart and I give you my life. 
In Jesus' name I pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.